King P here. And Stelio7. And welcome to another episode of This Week in Metropolis. In this week's episode, we're speaking to Otis Dealey, seasoned TV personality and presenter of Channel 5's The Gadget Show, about the world of technology and also his extensive comic book collection and love of whiskey. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to This Week in Metropolis. So, Otis, as um, we were just discussing off air, thank you so much for joining us on this week in Midlis. Um Most people, I'm guessing, will know you from the Gadget Show or from maybe back in the day doing Live and Kicking. But from looking into your career, I'm, I've also seen that you, you brought out a single at one point, which um, uh, not, I don't know whether you want to talk about that a bit. That, that, that's still <laughs> online. You can't hide from that. <laughs> But also, it's, but also, you you have a degree in pharmacy. Yeah. Um, so let me address the single first. Um, up until <laughs> about five or six years ago, it was fine. People would friends more than um, sort of people that I I met would uh, ask about this rumored single that I once released. So I don't know what you're talking about. No. Nope. Nope, never did such a thing. No, you must be confusing me with someone else. And then, as I say, about six years ago, someone uploaded the video. Uh, and uh, yeah, every now and again, a friend stumbles across it and I get berated for, for denying it. Um, I'd, only been, I'd only been presenting for a couple of years at that point. And um, so we're still very wet behind the ears, early 20s. And um, I love singing. In fact, I still, I still sing in a band with a bunch of mates. We just do it for fun. And uh, the idea of being a, you know, a sort of pop star was, was very attractive. You know, at this time I was interviewing Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, um, you know, any, any boy band or pop star you could shake a stick at. And, uh, and I wanted some of that and the opportunity came and uh, it didn't quite materialize in the way that I wanted to. So I just, you know, tried to brush, brush it under the carpet and forget about it. But yeah, digital doesn't allow you to forget, you see? That's it. Um, it, will, it will come back. Maybe you should do um, sort of a 20th anniversary, uh, anniversary sort of uh, reunion some, as, as such. Things are best left in the past, I think. Um, there is there is one um, sort of nugget of uh, of pride that I can take from it. The single was called um, Trouble, and at the time I was presenting on the Children's Channel or TCC as it had then become, and um, TCC was was growing up. They were no longer airing shows for, you know, sort of five to 12 year olds. They had started showing um, American comedies like um, Hangtime and Sweet Valley High dramas like Degrassi Junior yeah. High. And so their uh, audience was older, um, teenagers. And uh, the channel was developing a, 
and, and attitude. So they had this um, campaign to rebrand the channel for the summer. And they heard about the single that I had recorded and they used a snippet of it during the, during the campaign we shot. Um, we shot a series of adverts for it that went out, not just across cable and satellite, but went out on some mainstream uh, commercial channels as well. Yeah. And uh, the campaign was so successful, as was the sort of temporary rebranding of TCC, that they decided to take the name Trouble. Um, wow. And that wouldn't have happened without the single. Um, and I was at Trouble then for another four, maybe five years. And they were some of the best years of, of my career. So it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. See, no, that's a fond memory. Uh, I think oh, yeah, you, you yeah, can't yeah. forget about that song. Definitely not. I was going to say, so, so what, what led you to the Gadget Show? Because your, your career kind of went around a few different, different ways. Yeah, so I was, uh, I, I left Trouble and was at um, CBBC for 10 years. But about halfway through my time there, I wanted to move on and do and, and host shows for, for grown-ups, my peers. Yeah. Um, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to do children's television anymore. I just didn't think the viewers believed in me. I, I thought sure. they were looking at me and saying, oh, this guy's old enough to be my dad. He's not he's not that cool older brother that I want to hang out with anymore. Yeah. He's He's too old. So I wanted to preempt this by moving into um, sort of grown-up genre of, of television. And it was a very difficult move to make. Um, and it didn't happen for five years. I applied, I, I heard that um, I moved agents and my agent asked me, um, what shows would you, would you like to work on? You know, if I could wave a magic wand, is there, are there any TV shows out there that you'd like to be a part of? And there was only, there was only honestly one show on air in terms of um, UK television that I could see myself being a part of. Both my wife watched the gadget show and we were fans. And um, I knew one of the presenters, I'd previously worked with Jason on, sure. I worked with Jason at TCC and Trouble. And uh, my agent did a bit of digging and about six months into, you know, our, our partnership, she said the Gadget Show were looking for a new presenter. Um, Dallas Campbell was moving on and there was a, a space. So I went and had a meeting with the exec producer. Um, we got on really well. He said, no need to do a, a, you know, a screen test. I know what you're capable of. And within two days, I was told I was part of the team. So I, I wanted to be on the show because I, I was a fan. Oh, I still yeah. am a fan. It's a show that um, if I had the time, if I had more time, I would watch um, yeah. more regularly. But, you know, my wife and I try to sit down and watch the episodes as, as and when we can. Fantastic. Do you think, um, I know, if, was you worried? I would be worried in your situation that... That'd be a dream come true, being on like a ga the gadget show. If you're interested in technology, but like a child in a, a toy shop, you know, as such. It was there ever that worry of, oh God, that I, 
Well, no, I might get bored of all these things that I really enjoy. Oh, no, because um, I, I grew up on a healthy diet of um, cartoons, um, yeah. s- science fiction, and um, sort of British comedy. And there was, there was no way if it was related to science and technology, I was going to get bored of it because yeah. it is a, I mean, you two know, it yeah. is a constantly evolving, mm. innovating, changing, surprising um, uh, area of, yeah. of, of human endeavor. There are always new and amazing stories to read about, uh, be told about. So it was, I, I was never going to get bored of the subject matter. Yeah you can get bored of you could get bored of your job i guess even if you like the area you're working in um but uh that that's not that's not my scenario at the moment and hopefully it won't be for some Mm. time to come what was the first gadget when you joined the show what was the first one that they gave you and said here you go here's here's your gig as such I think my first my first day at work was we went to West London and we went to Sky TV headquarters because they were uh, they were about to launch Sky 3D wow (laughs) yeah that was it that was my first day at work yeah. Uh, first day at work. That was my first day on the gadget show, covering yeah. um, Sky's foray into 3D TV. Yeah, amazing. I bet there have been lots of things as well of that nature. That because 3D for a while was going to be the, the you know the savior of of cinema and and you know home entertainment and things like that. But now really catch I, on, I, I like IMAX. I like going to see Star Wars and the, and the big things in IMAX. I always make a point yeah. of that. But home. It's not really been adopted. I bet there have been quite a few of those sort of things that you've... There, there have been. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm not too fussed about 3D, but I love yeah. watching a good IMAX mm. uh, movie or, or a movie shot for the IMAX screen. Yeah. Um, mm. Yes, there will, always be, um, there will always be stumbles and things that were predicted to be big and, and didn't quite take off. Or things that we were told would sort of be around for a little while um, and have and have stuck um, Wi-Fi is is one of them when Wi-Fi first came along I think we were where were we um, trying to think where we were in terms of phone reception I think we were maybe one and a half approaching 2G and uh, this was before I joined the gadget show, but one of the presenters said, we can't really see it catching on. It will mm. be, it'll be mobile communication. All yeah. Way. <laughs> was, I used to work in um, car phone warehouse for around that time. Yeah. And that, and that was the thing. It was, you know, mobile communications would bypass e- everything. And it, you're sort of seeing it a little bit now. Aren't you, you are now. Yes, but, you are but, now, but you know, this is... 15, this is what? 20 years ago, wasn't yeah. it? You know, really. Yeah. Was there any um, gadget that you think that you were hyped up a bit about that, that you thought, oh, next week we're looking into this or next week we're seeing this, I can't wait to see it, and it was really disappointing or it did slash didn't work? 
at all at the time. I mean, tech not working is, is par for the course on a game yeah. show. Um, one of the most popular statements you'll hear um, on any given shoot day is it, it worked it worked in the office. Yeah. Um, you know, we insist that our uh, researchers, or our production team, should we say, um, test the tech yeah. um, before we before we use it, and uh, it, it, it doesn't always work. Um, a hard reboot doesn't always work. Turning it on and off doesn't always work, um, and it it happens all the time. Um, can I say, I don't know, it's really difficult to be disappointed by um, tech in the short space of time that we get to play with it. Sure. Um, How long would so, they give you then in terms of... Well, um, what would be great would, you do the would be segment? to live... Yeah, what would be great would be to live with the tech before um, going on the show, then using it and reviewing it. Yeah. Uh, but such is the turnover of the series that we don't always get, we don't always get the chance. Here's, here's one. We had a turntable that um, using magnets levitated. So the turntable itself was suspended in the air yeah. and um, it looked gorgeous. Mm. Um, it, it literally was a turntable floating in the air, rotating. Um, and so I was excited about this being uh, um, someone raised on, on vinyl, mm. this would be a centerpiece to rival the TV screen. Yeah. And uh, it was all set up and, uh, you know, the whole team was there, the, the team behind the, the tech. And uh, we put some vinyl on and moved the needle onto it. And it wouldn't get up to speed. And the the turntable wouldn't um, wouldn't spin in a in a fixed axis. It was yeah. it was wobbling, so the sound was awful. And I wanted to laugh inside. I was yeah. rolling in the aisles, but the team were here. Oh, no. You know, obviously sweating, had their fingers yeah. crossed. This was a big moment. This is their moment. Their, yeah, their tech was featuring on on the gadget show. Oh, no. And it just it just didn't work, and it's when that happens you you tread the line between you know ridiculing the item yeah to a point where there's no recovery or saying or you know or, or giving the right level of critique you know it's it's not for me, maybe yeah. a bit more time in the you know uh, back in the lab or you know, sometimes it's a difficult balance when, when it happens like that. But that that's that's one piece I can remember being really, really excited mm. about and it just not delivering on the day. Shame. We had um, Ricky Martin, the art ninja, on the show a few weeks ago. Um, and one of the things we asked him is about old technology, even down to a pencil and a bit of paper. Yeah. And whether he still likes to use that sort of thing. And he said, 100%. He always, as much as all the new tech is there, he still likes to go back to the old old ways of doing things. Is there an old piece of technology that hasn't been modded up to modern day standards that, that you still rely on on a daily basis? Looking around the kitchen here. <laughs> uh, uh, I, you see, I, I'm quite, 
I'm quite old school in in some things. So you know, we talked about vinyl. Um, there's there's no replacing that crackle. That crackle just feels good mm. to me when I hear it. Um, it lets me know that something good is is coming. Yeah. Um, and then with other stuff, when I was a when I was hitting the gym, you know, three, four, five times a week and training like really hard. Um, I didn't have a, a fitness monitor on, no biometrics or, or anything like that. Or well, no um, digital scanning uh, yeah. of my biometrics. Just how I felt after a session and a tape measure. Um, you know, I would, I would measure my chest, I would measure my biceps, measure my thigh um, to get any feedback uh, on how well I was doing. And then in terms of exertion, if my heart felt like it was beating out of my chest and I was sweating and panting for breath, then I'd been working hard. Yeah. I didn't need, a, I didn't need a, a smart watch or a fitness tracker to, to tell me that. Yeah. And um, I am determined to get back into the gym at some point to try and get fit for 50. Um, but I'm pretty sure um, it will just be me and the equipment in the gym. Um, could I be persuaded to use a heart rate monitor? Maybe. Um, my wife uses a fitness app while we're, you know, on lockdown or in this tier structure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm peering in. They look like decent workouts, so maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll join her. But for the most part, it's it's old school. How I actually feel in myself. Yeah. Take measure. Okay. Well, we spoke with a, a personal trainer. And his ethos was exactly that, that, you know, he, he trained, he does martial arts as well. He trained in Japan and was lifting wood and, you know, yeah. the metal and, and that sort of thing. And there's, um, you know, in his words, the, the human body hasn't changed for a hundred years or whatever. And those simple processes still apply as yeah. such. Yeah. Yeah. Functional training, I think mm. was, was and is a big thing um, going through movements that you would use in your in your lifetime yeah. um, you know if you're if you're going if you're walking to work you don't lunge walk to work do you no if you're being really efficient with your workout you do <laughs> um, depends how late you know, I am lifting lifting boxes so exercises like squats for example though you know that's that's a functional exercise um uh bicep curls to a degree is a functional yeah. exercise because you you know you're always bringing things up to your face but you're a personal ways, trainer as well is that right i did i did qualify as a personal trainer a few years back here yeah. i say a few uh seven years back now what was the motivation for that then? Was that um, to, to pursuing I, an interest and such? It, it, was, it was pursuing an interest, but it had been motivated by um, uh, a lack of interest in me as a TV presenter. So oh. I, I, went through a, um, I went through a period where I, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get any meetings with any companies in, in television at all. 
I'd had a um, I'd had a bad day at the office hosting some athletics events for Channel Four, right. and as a result of that, um, I lost that job, and then right. a few months later was dropped from the gadget show, and as a result of those two things happening very very close to each other, um, I guess I guess my my name became blacklisted and um, nobody wanted to touch me. So for two years, I was out of television. And after about a year, um, after accepting that I wasn't going to get back into TV, I had to think about how I was going to uh, retrain, redefine, um, and sort of reinvent myself. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't have the money or the time to go back to university and sort of brush up on my degree. Yeah. I wanted something that was going to give <laughs> something that was going to give results relatively interesting mm-hmm. uh, instantly, which is something personal trainers say doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> can't give you instant results. These things take time. Um, and I had been, I had been training a lot up until this point and I had always looked after myself. Um, through cycling or martial arts, um, uh, track and field, volleyball, there was always something. Um, and so I decided to look closer into the, the science of how our bodies work and how we could get the very best out of them. And I stuck with that for about a year. And then um, corporate hosting came back first. And then uh, about a year later, or the end of that year, I got a call, a very unexpected call from the Gadget Show asking if I would consider returning. Mm. Would you consider that the way media is going, or or certainly is it quite established now in terms of online entertainment, would you consider, right, I can't go back into television, but... I have a recognisable name, you know, myself as a brand as such, and launch your own thing, you know. Did that ever enter your mind? Absolutely. It it has entered and it remains um, in in my mind. And it is something that I've been looking at, I guess, with a, a level of seriousness maybe for the last two years. And I am waiting for the right project to occur to me or the right project to come along. Yeah. It's definitely not off the table. I am not so old school that I don't believe that there is anything that could rival television. Yeah. Um, because television is, I won't say dying, television is changing. Mm. Um, and you don't have to be a tech head or even that smart to see the rise of um, streaming channels, yeah. video on demand, um, some aspects of Sky and just generally how we consume our content. Yeah. Um, this year, having accelerated a, a lot of that, the way we use digital platforms. It's funny because a lot of... Um, online stars that I meet long to have a show on TV, even though the audience is less and the money is less. There is something about 
being on television that they aspire to. I've had it for 25 plus years um, and it's been great. What I want to do is keep on hosting, keep on presenting. And so if the end of the line came in television and opportunities arose online, I'd take them. Do you think it's that they want to move over to TV because it's almost like from, I see it a lot. I think my, my eldest now is 12 and I think sort of watching his viewing habits and being introduced to a lot of sort of YouTube and, and things like that, almost sort of through them. You have lots of big stars on YouTube and big stars on Twitch, but to a certain demographic, they're invisible. Whereas yes. on TV, it's, there and you know bob down the road knows who um i don't know ryland is or, or someone yeah. someone like that they're there it, it, and that's something almost that you can't achieve at the moment in on youtube or tiktok and that you you, you appeal to a certain amount of society but when you want yeah the re- even though it might not pay more it's still that almost that human need of Everyone knows who I am, if you see yeah. what I mean. Do you think it's Yeah, that? maybe. Maybe. There, there may be an element of that. But it, to me, it's, it's, like a, it's, an, it's a matter of numbers. Yeah. You, know, you can have, have 1.2 million people a week watching your show on television. Yeah. Or you can have 20, 30 million views of, 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 yeah. your, of your work. Um, yeah. As a financial model, that works Oh yeah, that's <laughs> well. it. Um, and so for, for me, that that makes sense. If I could mm. do something that would reach that big an audience, even if it was considered niche, it might be yeah. a niche in this country, but on a global scale, mm. um, you know, that could buy uh, a few roofs over your head mm. if, you, if you were so inclined. Um, but yes, maybe there is an aspect of... Um, TV celebrity and, and walking down the street and people of all ages um, knowing who you are. Mm. I guess for me, that's, that, that only occurs because I've been doing it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I literally hosted, you know, I, I, you know, I can meet someone and say, you know, I, I literally, uh, I've been hosting TV shows since your parents were your age. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if television is where it's at for the remainder of my career until, you know, I'm in my 70s or 80s, then fine. But I, I, don't, I don't have a negative view of um, online at all. If anything, I would say it has allowed more people to showcase their abilities and their program making that television never would have um, put on screen. And we get to see and hear so many more stories and a a breadth, a rich diversity of um, stories that television would never have allowed, still won't allow. You you mentioned, Otis, about how online um, exposure has increased over the last nine months, mainly because of, obviously, the pandemic. How has your career been affected by and have you adapted if if you've had to that is same same as um same as everybody else really uh, in that um i used to 
go to work a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, used, I used to travel. I used to yeah, yeah. I used to travel, travel the world, um, in search of um, tech and gadget stories, and I would host events, mainly award shows, in front of audiences of hundreds. You know. Um, venues that would hold um, 800 people all sat down in their um, regalia and their um, uh, tuxedos and whatnot uh, and and I would host events I haven't done anything like that mm -hmm. um, since since December so a year I'm doing a lot more of of um, of my work in this setup um, hosting radio days and award shows from home um so that's how it's affected me i'm using zoom as much as anybody else um mm. i'm seeing maybe a few less faces but i'm seeing them in two dimensions yeah um and i haven't been on a plane since february um and normally by this point i'd have been on a large handful of flights um, so that's how it's that's how it's impacted me but I have been fortunate in that after the first three months of lockdown um, Gadget Show was you know straight on the blower and said we're ready to start recording again so in you know a very COVID safe or as COVID safe as productions can be I've been back doing my day job one of the questions that me and Matt both had for you is and, and this steps away from it but I'm sure you've spent a lot of time on them well I hope you have um, Xbox or PlayStation I, I don't I'm not really a gamer really yeah so how dare you really well, <laughs> this, this, this chat is cancelled I am um, when I was growing up, it was my friends who had the ZX Spectrums and the uh, um, uh, and the Commodore Vic Twenties and Sixty Fours, and I wanted them and asked my parents for them. My parents couldn't afford them, and because they weren't directly related to education, I was never going to get them. Yeah, maybe the closest I came was my dad inquiring about the cost of a BBC Micro. And at school in computers, you know, some of the earliest lessons we had was writing the, the simple program, 10, go to 10, yeah. you know, I can't even remember how it goes. <laughs> and <laughs> computer science just didn't, didn't grab me because we weren't dissecting cyborgs and androids, etc. Yeah. So I didn't take it. When I moved out into my own place, late 90s, I bought a PlayStation and um, I messed about with Grand Theft Auto. And then I realized this is, this is my own flat. So I can have, I can have parties around here. Um, I can have friends i can have uh i can have girls 
down yeah. here. And so slowly gaming sort of faded into the background. I think the last console I had was a PS3. Yeah. I am a terrible manager of my time. Um, and the last thing I need is the kind of distraction that gaming would, um, would put in front of me. So I maintain a, I maintain a healthy distance and try and keep abreast of what's going on. But there isn't a console in the house anymore. Um, and I'm, I'm not a gamer. I was going to say, does that, um, does that also impact on having kids as well? Because me and Matt have both got kids of our own. Um, and one of the questions we had was, how much do you encourage kids and your kids in particular to um, embrace new technology like gaming consoles and, and iPads and so forth? Um, and how much exposure do you think is right for them? So they see us using the phones um, to make calls, to um, video chat to our relatives and to maybe operate the odd light in the house. They know what the phones are, they know how to use them, um, but we don't let them, we don't let them have them and they don't have, they don't have their own. Um, as a treat, if my daughter who's four, four and a bit, um, we have a, a treat box and in the treat box might be a, a new, a new book, a new game, um, uh, maybe a, a suite or a voucher that allows her 20 minutes of iPad time. Um, we, and, and that's it. Um, and it's the CBB's website, um, or she can watch a bit of Sesame Street. Uh, we used a TV more. So the TV on a Saturday morning, sometimes on a Sunday morning, um, or as we're getting everything ready for, for dinner. So they really, you know, they, they are exposed to a screen, the big screen, the main TV mm -hmm. screen, um, a handful of hours a week and their exposure to, if they've, got, if they've got one of the smart devices in their hands, it's because we've left it somewhere and they've picked it up. Um, but what we wanted to do, or what we want to do with our kids is bolster as much of a love of the outdoors and the interacting with people before the influence of yeah. screens come in. Because we know there will come a point where there's very little control that we have over them having such devices. But as long as we have instilled in them uh, an art of conversation, um, how to interact with other human beings and a love for other things. Yeah. They love their scooters. They love cycling. Um, when we go out to dinner, we all chat. We don't yeah. plug them in and let them watch while, um, you know, we've all gone out for dinner. So we should all be taking part. If it's just my wife and I don't want to go out, then we'll find a babysitter um, and, and keep the kids at home. So the short way of saying that is, I think there are, there are benefits from um, children being involved in screen time. 
manual dexterity is a lot higher for children who have had exposure to those kind of things. They're better with fine motor movement. Um, but I see far too many kids looking at these screens and not engaging with their siblings yeah. or their parents. And it's the same the other way. I see parents pushing kids in prams or walking with their kids and they're just focused on what's going on on their phones yeah. and they're not paying attention to their kids. And these are, you know, these are vital, these are vital years. Um, yeah. So my wife and I are quite believe quite strongly about that. And despite mm -hmm. being a, you know, a, a tech advocate, um, screen time is the one thing we're very firm on and firm yeah. about in terms of minimizing their exposure to it as much as mm. we can. Definitely. I think it's really important. I, I followed exactly the same um, with my two. I think it's that, particularly when they're older, you do, there is much more of an, an allure um, for them. And particularly, I think it, uh, for myself, and I, it may be the, the same with you, um, when you also get older, is that I brought mine up loving Star Wars and superheroes and movies and those sort of things and sharing my influence yeah. and art and things like that yeah. and unfortunately comes with that is they're going to love the same things that i love and they're going to love watching tv certain programs they're going to love computers they're going to love mm. games consoles and then but it's having that you know sharing that understanding of how they work but the That's responsibility the of them and the background as well isn't it but you, but you hit the nail on the head matt you said you're sharing so yeah it's not, you're not using the, you're not using your smartphone or the games console uh, exclusively as a pacifier exactly. or as yeah. a nanny. Yeah. Um, you know, when the, when the TV's on Distraction. or when you're gaming, mm. you're, you're, you're all doing it. It's yeah. not have that shut up. You're doing my head in yeah. kind of thing. It's, Go in you know, let's all get involved in this together. You're still talking, you're enjoying. Yeah. And, and don't get it, don't get it twisted, James. We, we can't do that all the time. Sometimes we need the TV. Yeah. Um, it's a gift. In think, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it is. It's, it's a treat. It's a treat. Yeah. It's the TV, in our house, the TV is still a privilege um, for the kids. Um, I grew up without a TV in my room. I never had a TV in my room. Um, even my, I mean, this house that my wife and I have been in for 10 years, um, is the first place I've lived in where there's been a TV in the bedroom. So I lived 37 years of my life without a TV in the bedroom and I am absolutely fine. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, mm. you know, we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll do the same with the, with the kids. The TV is, um, is a treat. It's a privilege to have it. There are those that don't. And yeah. there are those that have, you know, a TV in every room and they're always yeah. on screen and stuff like that. But, you know, they are not my children. Can you um, tell us a little bit about Glassmates, which yes. is something we, yes. we looked at over um, on your Instagram page? Yeah, so um, Glassmates is a um, collective of three very good friends, Jimmy, Nigel and myself. We love a tipple, we love a dram, we really enjoy a cocktail and Glassmates started out as a TV show idea following three friends visiting whiskey distilleries um, around initially Scotland. 
this didn't happen for one reason or another. And so we entered the event space and started sharing our love and knowledge of whiskies, rums, brandies, etc., with um, with other people. So we gather people in a room and we do tastings. And um, that was something that we had been doing for around a year. And then, and, and we were looking to move the that energy, the glassmates' energy and the ethos. Um, into um, a, a visual space and then COVID hit. So what we do now is we, every Friday, we host an event called Distance Dramming and we talk to people in the drinks industry about what they're doing, latest releases and expressions. Um, we talk to our followers about cocktails. We toast the week because Distance Dramming began during lockdown. We've made it to the end of another week. Congratulations, everybody. Who would you like to thank? Yeah. What are you thankful for <laughs> this week? And most importantly, what's in your glass? What are you drinking? Um, we talk about that and we've had um, drinks ambassadors uh, and we've got um, master distillers lined up, uh, award-winning um, whiskey writers. And it's just, it's just a nice relaxed way to to end the week and a good excuse to have have a drink. But glassmates, um, we we look at we look at the world of drink and we sort of distill it into a form where people can understand um, what's in their glass mm. a bit better and make better informed choices about what they're drinking. Have you got a favourite whiskey? It changes with the season. Um, I think when I first started taking whiskey seriously. It was um, Speyside uh, whiskey, Speyside Scotch. So um, Balvenie, Glenfiddich, etc. Then my top area became Isla, where you could quite literally taste the salty air <laughs> and the the local peat to varying degrees in, mm. in the whiskies. And I think at the moment, my favorite whiskies are coming out of Ireland. So whiskey with an E um, and the Teeling distillery. But as my journey continues, I'm sure that, um, you know, my, my taste will change. I love a bourbon. Um, Wild Turkey do a mm. great one. They they um, they developed one with Matthew McConaughey called Long Branch. Michter's, um great American whiskey as well, uh, and and the whole world is getting in on the act. The Swedes, the Australians. Um, there's a Goan whiskey that's really nice. Um, the English whiskey scene is very exciting right now as well so there's there's so much to talk about and uh, so much to drink and i'm very <laughs> passionate about it what attracted you to whiskey in the first place it's got Was some it legs just... in it then yeah but... definitely yeah in, in but... more ways than one <laughs> um i was i didn't start drinking until relatively late i was at uni and um i was teetotal very much into my health and fitness I was doing track and field at the time and playing volleyball. 
and all I could see around me were people drinking to excess and falling about the place. And I didn't really want a part of it. And then um, I started drinking for all the wrong reasons. I got my heart broken, so I decided to go out and get drunk. And um, I found that pints were always really, really filling. Mm. So I moved on to um, whiskey bourbon and Coke and then didn't want to drink so much syrup with my whiskey, but didn't know where to, didn't know where to go. And then uh, someone I was dating was working for a PR company that looked after drinks, mainly wines and whiskies. And she introduced me to um, uh, other whiskies and bourbons. And then since then I've been trying to drink um, as many different varieties as, as possible. So it's the, the, um, maybe best part of 15 years. Wow. What, what do you look for? What, what's the, just being an absolute whiskey novice, well, what, what's the key the or is it personal? I, it's, it's incredibly personal. Yeah. Um, and just like wine, it's dependent on your environment. So the mood you're in, the people you're with and, and the weather. And I'm, I don't have a developed enough palate to be able to identify exactly what I'm tasting. Um, but when I stumble across a good one, I know, I know that I like it and I can, I can sip it for, I, I can just keep on sipping. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's whiskey, that's rum, um, cognac and beer as well. I've been getting into um, beer a lot and I really like experimentation. So I like it when people do something different with the, with, with the old or with the existing yeah. So, you know, when someone matures their beer for a while in a whiskey cask or, you know, when whiskey people mature their whiskey in Madeira casks or sherry casks or wine casks or beer casks or, you know, there are so many yeah. different ways of marrying um, flavours. Um, Teeling, who um, I'm speaking to as part of our podcast, um, in the next couple of days, they've matured their existing small batch whiskey in ginger beer. Wow. Barrels. Then that tastes amazing. Oh, the mm. result is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And, and, and the result flies off the shelves really quick, but if you can get one, it's not expensive. You don't have to pay into the hundreds for yeah. a good bottle of whiskey. You just have to know where to look. And that's where we as glassmates try to try to help. Oh, you've we, we've said we've listed all the different things that you've done: TV presenting, singing. You're, you've been a personal trainer. You've um, got a degree in pharmacy. You're doing glassmates. What is there left for you that you want to tick off the list in your in your future? Actually, I think the reason I've done all of those things is just a desire to keep going. Um, you know, and if I have to make small changes uh, or learn new things in order to, to keep going, then that's fine by me because, the, you know, there are new skills, new, um, new experiences and stuff. Uh, and so I, I don't know what's left to tick off, but what I definitely want to do is, is not stop, just keep going. Okay. 
One one thing that we haven't actually uh, sort of uh, talked about is your comic books, which I understand you have a very large comic book mm. collection. I yes, I I I say I do, I do. I want to say I did, or sometimes I'm tempted to say I did because <laughs> I don't collect physical comics sure. anymore. Um, I ran out of space. Yeah, um, where I would where I would have stored my comics once upon a time now has children. Mm. Um, um, so my comic book collection is in storage and it's about, it's about 8,000 strong. Um, I had a mild culling um, a few years ago before the comics went into storage. Um, and I continue to read, but nowhere near at the same pace as I used to. Yeah. But I've been collecting since I was 15, so over 30 years. Wow. Is there a preference in terms of the the types or the you know, characters um, they, and so on? They tend they tend to mainly be um, Marvel DC, and then every now and again uh, a graphic novel will come out from any quarter, not not necessarily DC or Marvel, um, independence. Something will come out that um, is just supreme, and I'll. I'll I'll pick that up. But for the most part, over that time period, I've been consistently reading uh, about Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Batman, Nightwing, and The Incredible Hulk. And then um, other titles have come and gone over, over the years. What's your most prized comic book that, that you have? The The... The one that got me into it all, um, the Killing Joke. Yeah. Um, so, I was busy taking the piss out of a friend who was reading comic books, um, chiding him for having such a kiddie-like endeavour, um, <laughs> and he slid his copy of the Killing Joke over to me and said, "Read that and let me know what you think yeah. tomorrow." And um, I read it cover to cover. In, in one night and I was blown away by it and since then um, I've been a fan and um, that's probably the most cherished yeah. the most valuable would probably be um, part two three or four of um, A Death in the Family because I started collecting just after um the readership voted by a very narrow margin for the Joker to murder Jason Todd. Um, and you couldn't get issue one for love nor money um, when I started. And I was just about able to scrape, I think a second print of number two and then a first print of three and maybe a third print of four. Um, and what else? And the Dark Knight Returns, the the original Dark Knight Returns, which is Frank Frank Miller, mm, I, I believe so. Frank Miller. Killing Joke is Alan Moore. Yeah. Um, those and and they are they are the first they are the first comics I I bought. Um, I'd have to have, I'd, I would have to have someone look through my comics, check their sort of condition, to let me know which one was actually the most valuable. Yeah. Um, 
Is is that a sort of a concern to you though? It sounds like you love them for what they are rather than sort of collecting them for the purpose of collecting. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. So it was it was never about collecting. If if it was over the years I've been collecting, I would have I would have some major um, additions in in my collection. But I only ever wanted to just read them. Um, So I never bought. I rarely Mm. bought you know, more than one copy of a given um, edition. Even if it said collector's edition, it would be the only copy that I could afford or the only copy that I had. So I'd tear into the package and read it. Um, As a big fan of the comic books, do you find the movies are a good representation of some of the stories? I thoroughly enjoy the movies. Um, I, I think... I think Kevin Feige has done an amazing job with um, Marvel, now Disney Marvel. Um, I think he's been phenomenal. Um, I'm not sure about his appointment as grand overseer of film, television and, um, and comics themselves. Um, but I think what he has achieved with the movies and his foresight and planning yeah. um, from Iron Man, I think, um, has been mm. has been phenomenal. Um, as a comic book fan, when they first announced Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, I was livid. Really? I was really really upset. I was like, "This, why have you picked this dude? What? <laughs> pick a pick a Charlie Chaplin playing um, Oscar winner. Pick pick an unknown and grow yeah. it with him." Um, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't an avid reader of Iron Man in the comic books, but he is probably my favorite character in the MCU. Yeah. Um, the on-screen MCU. Um, mm. I, think, I think RDJ did a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, I do. I really enjoy them. I, I salute the way they are able to tell an engaging and full story in two and a bit hours and haven't suffered any of the um, issues that um, DC and Warner Brothers have, um, which is probably too many cooks, or was too many cooks. Um, There have been one or two decent movies in the last while and things look quite exciting for them going forward. Um, but for me, I think Marvel have gone, they've gone clear. Um, and I, I very much enjoy, I enjoy the movies. Yeah. Otis, thank you so much for, um, coming on our show. Um, for our listeners and our viewers, where can people find you on social media? Uh, so you can find me on, I'm mainly on Instagram. So, um, Otis Dealey, O-R-T-I-S-D-E-L-E-Y. That's my, um, that's my handle on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and also at Glassmates UK um, for any drinky stuff you might be um, interested in. And of course, um, Channel well, Thank five, you very much for joining us. Uh, yeah. And on television. Don't forget yeah, that part. That <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been it's been my pleasure chatting to you both. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Don't forget, if you did enjoy it, please um, like, subscribe on whatever platform you're watching and listening on, because in that way you won't miss out on any future episodes we put out. Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms as well. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, give us a follow and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with all of, uh, the latest uh, episodes and posts that we um, put out there. But thank you for uh, listening and watching. And we'll see you next episode.